This is the Love Doctor, Dr. Love. And I'm so excited to tell you that for the month of February, you can use the promo code SCREENADDICTS for all of your purchases on Manscaped.com. You can get 20% off and free shipping when using that promo code. And let me tell you, I have used so many of these products that before I was Dr. Love, I was Dr. Dud. Now that I'm smooth, I am cleaner and fresher than ever before. And if it ain't enough for you to use it, go ahead and give it to one of your significant others because they can use it too. Men, women, anybody. You can use the lawnmower 4.0, gets you right down to that clean shave. Remember, Screen Addicts, S-C-R-E-E-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S, at checkout. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. There are many films that show the relationship between a patient and their therapist, such as Goodwill Hunting, Analyze This, and even The Sopranos. They can take comical or dramatic turns in their approach to reach positive mental health wellness. While we all escape into these worlds of fiction, we all must come back to reality where issues are real. Sometimes we all need a little help trying to find an inner peace, and that is where better help comes in. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash screenaddicts. That's betterhelp.com slash screenaddicts. Recorded in front of a live studio audience. Fire up the projectors, turn on your TVs, and adjust your antennas. It's time for the Screen Addicts Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Screen Addicts Podcast. I am your co-host, or single host for the day, Cinema Steven Sosa, and I'm holding it down this week for me and TV Viegas, as he is a very super busy man, and we wanted to put one out here just so that we can talk about a couple things that's been going on lately and a couple things that we watch, because, you know, as typical Screen Addicts, we just can't stop watching. There's always stuff coming out. There's movies being released on streamers. There's movies being released in the theaters. There's movies being released just everywhere on our phones, YouTube. It's just nonstop. I mean, it's also a good problem to have too, because I used to complain about how there weren't enough movies being released and how it all seemed to be like reality TV there in the late two thousands. Can't make that complaint anymore. So it's a good problem to have. And I told uh, TVVA, I was like, Hey, maybe we could put one out where I just talk about a couple things that I've been watching because that's typically what we do. And so he gave me the go-ahead, and I also wanted to preview a couple of things that we've got coming up this month. It is the month of love, but don't worry, we're not going to be talking about all lovey-dovey stuff. Some uh, some things might get a little grim later on in a couple of episodes, because we're going to have a couple of guests joining us this month, and I'm not going to preview too much about it. I kind of want them to be surprises for you all, and we'll get into that later. But I'm going to talk about what I've recently been watching. 
First thing that I watched was Mean Girls the Musical. Now, Mean Girls was a very prominent, very popular... I mean, it still is. The 2004 original holds up to this day. It's part of the pop culture lexicon. And it's crazy to think that that movie came out 20 years ago this year. It's just completely baffling because you would think that it wasn't so old because, like I said, it's still very much in the zeitgeist. People still quote it. People still talk about it. People still talk about the performances in it. But whatever that may be, they decided to make a remake of the movie. The, the remake was fine. I think I'm, I tried to separate the fact that I got to watch it with my daughter because I actually got to spend time with her to see it. You know, she lives far away now, so I was able to go see the movies with her. I, I let her choose, and that was the first thing that she chose. And of course, like a screen addict that I am, I'll watch anything. I don't care. I was thinking, yeah, it might be interesting to see it because I knew that they based the movie off of the Broadway musical version rather than the original, even though the musical's based off of the original. Going into it, I'm thinking, okay, this is definitely going to be a musical version of it. And honestly, I thought it was pretty entertaining. I thought the music was good. I thought the actors and actresses were really good. The music really set it apart from the original. And I think that's the strong points of the movie, is the fact that when they got into the musical or the dance routines or anything like that, the new stuff, I think, is what was really, really entertaining. And even the new jokes were really funny. But then when they go back and try to dip into the old remake or the old movie where, you know, they talk about some of the more iconic lines, you know, fetch Wednesdays, we don't wear pink. Like whenever they do that, then it was just kind of like, now it just feels like a remake. And I didn't really like that part of it because at any time you see a remake with iconic lines, you have new actors trying to deliver the lines. It just feels kind of weird. When they leaned more into the music stuff, I think that was better for it because each musical number felt very different. It was choreographed very well. And I thought the new cast was pretty good. I did like that Tina Fey and um, and Tim Meadows as the principal came back to reprise their roles in the movie. So it kind of threw me off. I was like, is this a remake or is this a, a sequel? But it's definitely a remake. But there's a lot of really, you know, inside meta jokes about this movie that I thought were really, really good. You know, the original, when I first saw it, it was a, you know, I didn't really know what to expect with that movie because you go into it thinking, oh, well, what is this? Is this like a goofy teen romp or what could this possibly be? And you you come out of there thinking, wow, that was a satirical masterpiece. Like Tina Fey wrote the script, didn't realize that going into it. And she was absolutely incredible. Or the script was so good. I think also that's why it carried on its legacy throughout all these years. You know, again, the new one, it's it's good. I think it's it's interesting to see it from the the new perspective of it being a musical. And if you like the original, there's no harm in watching this one. I saw a lot of people dogging it online, but Again, I thought it was fine. I thought Renee Rapp was actually pretty good as Regina George. She was pretty mean. And apparently she was Regina on the Broadway version too. So that's kind of cool that she got to reprise that role. The next one that I saw was this movie on AMC Plus called Destroy Your Neighbor. And it's on AMC Plus, but I actually think it's technically Shudder. Sometimes I, I don't really know which streaming platform it is because AMC Plus also includes Shudder. So if you're subscribed to Shudder, but not AMC Plus, you could still watch this movie. I need to double check to make sure that it's on whatever services, especially to all my friends that love horror movies or really good, goofy gore movies like this one. Destroy Your Neighbor is just a weird, over-the-top, campy flick. If you like Evil Dead, Army of Darkness style, Sam Raimi style, this one's definitely for you. It's about this guy who lives with his girlfriend, gets this really weird new neighbor, and the guy's insane. He's just, like, it's very funny, very light, but then it gets really gory and gruesome and stuff, and so he just ends up becoming this, like, crazy murderer on accident, very Tucker versus Dale, or Tucker and Dale versus Evil type of scenario, but then it's just so crazy. I I really don't know how to explain it more than that, but Destroy Your Neighbor, it's on Shudder, it's super gruesome and gory. So if you like that kind of gory, campy stuff, I definitely recommend Destroy Your Neighbor. Also watched on Paramount Plus, Past Lives. Finally got to see the film that was nominated for Best Picture. 
And I have to say that um, it was good. I thought it was really, really well done. There was a lot of talk going into this movie. I mean, you hear certain movies nominated Best Picture. It's the best movie of the year. It's so great. It's so great. So you kind of wonder, well, let's see how great it is. So I, I watched it, and I have to say that even for Chris, he, he hypes this movie up more than any of the movies that came out last year. And I was like, all right, let's see. And yeah, he's right. Everybody was right. This movie's actually really, really good. It's a very, very quiet movie. Just very, very calm, quiet. Nothing really happens outside of character development and dialogue. Like, there's no action. There's nothing sensational about it. There's no, you know, beautiful lovemaking scenes or anything like that. It's about these two kids that meet. And they're kind of dating. They're like middle school, high school. They both live in uh, Korea. So then the girl moves away to America and leaves the boy behind, obviously, because she's just little. She's moving with her family. And then they reconnect 10 years later. And that's the thing about the movie is like it's about, you know, past lives. It's about reconnection. It's about these opportunities that we've missed in our lives. Like, did we make a mistake? Blah, blah, blah. They, uh, they reconnect and then they reconnect again 12 years later. And it's just such a really, it's a really good movie. And it makes you think like, wow, that's really sad, you know? And you know, love unrequited. And I think that the actors in this movie are really, really good. And there is a situation towards the end where, and I don't want to spoil or anything, but it's just like, you know, how sensational are they going to get with this movie? Because now she's married and now she's getting to talk to him and see him and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just really good though. I, I really enjoyed that movie. Kind of reminded me a little bit of drive your car from last year where, you know, just quiet, nice Asian film looks beautiful. The actors are really it looked like dolls, you know, just so well put together. And I actually, I really enjoyed that movie. And again, it's on Paramount Plus and um, also on Paramount Plus. I watched Bo is Afraid, this movie with Joaquin Phoenix. It's uh, Ari Aster's newest film from the director of uh, Midsommar and Hereditary. So you kind of know what you're getting into with this. Uh, this is an absolute insane movie. It's so, it's really difficult to explain it. I, I really don't know how to explain it more than I than I can because it, Bo basically is a guy that is dealing with delusions and psychological trauma. He suffers from paranoid schizophrenia, and I think the way that you watch the movie, the way that it's shot, is actually quite brilliant because it shows from the perspective of Bo's mind. So you're looking into the through the eyes of someone that's dealing with paranoid schizophrenia, and doing that, I'm, I'm telling you, it's a roller coaster. You're moving from one location to the next. Scene transitions are done so well because you're in another situation. Is it real? Is it fake? Are these people that he's talking to, are they real? Are they fake? I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the movie is so crazy. It's very long. It's three hours long. I always complain about movies being long, but then some of them, I didn't even realize they, they, you know, that they were that long when you watch them. Plus it's no different than binge watching a a TV series for four or five episodes. Like you literally just watched a five hour movie basically. So if it's good, it's good. And this movie is really good, but it also requires a lot of, of open-mindedness from the viewing audience and a bit of patience too, because like I said, it is a psychological roller coaster. And if you're really interested in that kind of stuff, you know, psyche, psychological trauma, paranoid schizophrenia, anything like that. I think that this movie is a really good one for you to watch because Joaquin Phoenix, man, he really holds this performance down. I thought he was much better in this than he was in Napoleon. And it seemed like he was going to get more uh, award accolades for for Napoleon, but he didn't. He didn't really get any kind of attention for either one of these performances, which is kind of unfortunate because I thought he was really good in both. And, you know, but then again, it's like you can't really compare Bo is Afraid of Napoleon. That's like comparing Gladiator to the machinist or something. It's just two completely different movies. And 
I do recommend Bo is Afraid for, for people that are looking for something a lot different. Like I said, if you've seen Ari Aster's previous films, Midsommar or Hereditary, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Like those movies are pretty intense. There's some graphic content in all three of these movies. Like Bo is Afraid is definitely a hard R rated movie. It's not for the squirmish. It's not for the easily offended. And I'm just really surprised that Joaquin Phoenix didn't get any kind of acknowledgement for this movie. I think it's unfortunate that he didn't because again, that's one of the best performances I saw all last year from a, from a male actor. And Again, Bo is Afraid is on Paramount Plus, and if you want to scratch out three hours of your time to watch it, I, I would suggest you do. But again, keep an open mind about it. Now, I think that um, as far as television, I'm still just watching some of the things that I'm always watching. I have three episodes left of The X-Files. This journey's been going on ever since we began this podcast like 50 years ago. So it's just one of those things where hopefully I'm going to finish it soon. I can have an entire episode uh, doing a retrospective of this show, but I don't even know how successful that would be because it's been spread out so far that I don't really remember a lot of the earlier episodes. But again, I could probably just go through the uh, the episode guides and refresh my memory or something. But it, it gets to a point where it's been so long that I almost want to restart it again, but then I don't want to wait another eight years to do it. So I am almost done with the X-Files. So if we have any listeners that are huge X-File fans, you know, maybe we could talk about it because I really don't know anybody that watches this show. It's kind of odd or anyone that did from back in the day. But yeah, so I'm almost done with the X-Files. Poor Chris, man. I put this guy through the ringer about this because he's always like, how have you not finished that show? Because Chris, he's a binger. I'm not. Chris would have finished it already, but I I can't. I, I, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just holding on. my journey of being partners with Mulder and Scully, because I feel like we're a team at this point. I think that we all work together pretty well and I don't want the partnership to end. end. So that's probably why I haven't finished it. I think that uh, X-Files will probably be coming to an end for me soon. A couple of uh, headlines that I wanted to talk about. The first headline was a picture, the poster released for Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. That's right. The name is uttered twice because that is the title of the new Beetlejuice film. And I think it's brilliant. I think it's fun. And it kind of makes me wonder, are we going to get a trilogy? Because, I mean, you can't name a movie Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice without having a movie called Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Because, I mean, that's the full trilogy right there. That You have to work that way. Maybe this movie split into two parts or something like that. But either way, it's still exciting to see it. And, you know, for everything that I see about the press releases, the posters, Tim Burton sitting on the uh, the set, I just look at this stuff and I think, I don't know, is this real? It seems surreal that it's happening. I think that people have been talking about it for so long that it's difficult for them to believe that this is actually going to happen because it's been so long, you know, in discussion that you just never thought it was going to. I don't believe that it's actually happening, but it is, and it's exciting, and I hope everything works out okay with it. And it kind of makes you wonder what kind of Tim Burton you're going to get for this movie. Are you going to get the old Burton who made Beetlejuice? Or are you going to get like the more sensitized Dumbo version of Burton? And I mean, not to hate on Dumbo. I thought it was fine, but come on, that's not the best of Burton. You know, it's not, everybody knows it's not. And we, maybe that's why he's doing this Beetlejuice movie. Maybe he's trying to recalibrate and go back to what made him who he is. I don't know. We'll see in September apparently, because that is going to be when it is released. The next note was a tragic loss to the uh, film community. That was Carl Weathers passed away. And Carl Weathers, my God, what a legacy of a career that this man has had. And of course, growing up as a kid, you see him as Apollo Creed. You see him in Predator. And of course, you see him as Action Jackson, 
but before all that, I didn't realize that he was a football player. I mean, when you look at his physical presence, it kind of makes sense because he's so buff and statuesque that, and I mean, as Apollo Creed, you see his movement in those movies, you see him, you know, moving around a rock, you know, just such a physical specimen that, yeah, it kind of makes sense that he did play football in college. What a, what a, what a career this man has had. Of course, as Apollo Creed, I think, I think you could take this actor and look at him from different perspectives too, because it's like, do you remember him from from Rocky? Do you remember him from Predator? Or where do you remember him from? And I think that's really great for his legacy because growing up, we've had iconic Carl Weathers performances for decades. And it's interesting because in Predator, you know, he dies in that spoilers and it's just kind of taken the sub, you know, the backseat to Schwarzenegger's character, which man, he looked ripped in that movie too. And I don't know, but I think Action Jackson in the late eighties, when that came out, that was a really good star making vehicle for him because he was the lead. He didn't have to share the screen with anybody else. This was his movie. And it's unfortunate that that movie didn't really take off like some of the other ones did because it's actually really good. I mean, it's, it's overly campy. Yeah. It's an eighties action flick. So of course everything's just, you know, maxed up in terms of violence and sex and just all that stuff but you know had sharon stone before she was super popular vanity from purple ring i mean it's just it was such a great movie and i felt bad that he never really got that that career arc that most of those other guys from like rocky like look at dolph lundgren after he was the russian he cultivated that into a massive career of action flicks and it's just unfortunate that carl weathers never did but in the 90s he also reinvents himself as a comedic actor when he was in happy gilmore as chubbs peterson And I think that that was great because people are looking at Carl Weathers now. They're like, wow, this guy's actually really funny. He's really funny in this movie. And, you know, with his wooden hand, the alligator, all that stuff was just hilarious. So you're looking at Carl Weathers here and you're like, okay, man, Apollo could be funny too. So it really allowed him to do other stuff. Like, for example, he also did Arrested Development. He had a full on arc in that show. Just absolutely hilarious. And then even recently in The Mandalorian had a massively important character in the series of the Mandalorian. He shows up in multiple seasons. Favreau and Filoni must have been fans of his to be able to give him an opportunity to perform in this show because, again, he's never really done anything with big sci-fi, you know, set CGI stunt pieces like this. And he's absolutely great in it. I mean, there's no, there's really nothing that he was unable to do. And I can't really say the sky's the limit for the guy. I mean, he did, he did quite a lot in his career and he definitely will be missed. So Carl Weathers, rest in peace. Now, somebody was turning 50 and that would be Christian Bale. Now, Christian Bale, another guy who at only 50 has had a decades long career starting in the 80s with Empire of the Sun, the Steven Spielberg warlord, world, warlord, World War II drama. And ever since then, he's just been in so many different movies. He was in Newsies in Disney. He was in all of these other movies in the 90s. He really, of course, like hit the popularity mainstream is Batman with the Dark Knight trilogy that he was in. And of course, you know, most people think of him as the best Batman. I'm on the fence sometimes. Sometimes I think so. Sometimes I think Keaton's still the best. I don't know. It's just one of those things that will never really have a definitive answer. But again, Christian Bale has been in so many different movies over the years. And the fact that he's only 50, I mean, yeah, he looks 50. He seems like he is 50. It just seems like he's older because of all the movies that he's done. He's won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for The Fighter, which is kind of funny to think because he's done a lot of really good dramatic performances. And none of those were really ever rewarded in that regard, except for The Fighter. But 
I think if I'm looking at my favorite performances of his, I, The Machinist, the fact that he lost 70 pounds to play that role is just insane. He looked crazy. He looked scary. The skeletal vision that he presented in that film was just, it, it's terrifying. And then to turn around and have to put like 85 pounds back on to play Batman for Batman Begins, I don't know what that did to his physical body, but my God, it, he must have been feeling that forever. I mean, he probably still has long-lasting effects from doing something like that. Again, that's the dedication to his craft. But if I have to say my favorite performance of his is probably American Psycho, Patrick Bateman. And I know that within today's age, a lot of toxic dudes are kind of cultivating that character into something that isn't what it's supposed to be, and they're kind of missing the point. But aside from that, I think that that movie is so well done. And I'm glad that it's getting a resurgence. I'm glad that people are really catching on to the to the underlying notion of what this is and what it's presenting it to be and i think it's scarier to think of what could be in that movie than what actually is or you never know but i i love that his performance in it is so chaotic it's so all 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 over the place the huey lewis scene with jared leto is just so funny and i think that christian bale probably still has a lot more left in him and i don't think he's going to be stopping anytime soon now another actor who turned 91 gene hackman Gene Hackman hasn't been in a movie in over 20 years. And I don't know, for some reason, I find that mind-boggling. Probably because I'll rewatch a movie that he was in from the 90s, and it just feels like it came out not too long ago. It's just our our lapse in judgment of time and stuff like that. But I think him in um, Crimson Tide is probably my favorite performance. You know, but he was in Hoosiers. He won an Oscar for Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood and Mississippi Burning. Just all these movies that he's been in. He's been in so many movies, like 40 movies in his career. And it's still crazy to think that he hasn't been in one in, in 20 years. Welcome to Mooseport was his last movie with Ray Romano. Like, can you imagine having a career like that and, and ending on a dud? with Welcome to Mooseport. Man, I wish he could have just got back in there and just done one one studio flick that made $100 million just to end his legacy right. I guess that's just how he, he wanted... Maybe that's why he wanted to end his career. But, you know, huge shout-out to Gene Hackman turning 91. That's just crazy. It was funny. I, I made a post on our Screen Addicts page. It was like a black-and-white picture of Gene Hackman, and people were like, oh, my God, did Gene Hackman die? I'm like, ooh, I didn't really think of that. I mean, no, he just turned 91. He's still alive. I definitely should colorize some of those pictures because when you put something in black and white, it typically means bad news. So don't worry, we'll be colorizing our post from here on out. As far as everything, I think that's going to be it for this week. I just wanted to come on here, do a quick mini-sode for all of you because we are so thankful for our listeners. We are thankful for everyone who takes their time to listen to this show and, you know, essentially have us talk about movies and stuff like that. But if you don't subscribe to us, please do so on all of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram, X, TikTok, just search Screen Addicts and we will pop up in some regard, some way. And what's really weird about Instagram is that our our listeners don't really reflect the number of followers. I don't know. It's just kind of weird when you talk about analytics and things like that. But if you want to go ahead and follow us on Instagram, please do so. And also, if you could, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can do reviews on Spotify now. If you do that, it really helps us get heard, helps us get out there more to more people. And we're, you know, we're, we we cast quite a net for you guys right now. So I'm really happy and thankful for all that. But, you know, a little, little extra, some, some never hurts anybody. If you like the Screen Addicts podcast, also you could take a, I'm saying also a lot. I also apologize for that. But if you want to listen to my new podcast, that is the Real Problems podcast, basically what I do on that is I take one movie that has a litany of issues and problems on the production, pre-post, 
And I basically chronicle those movies on each episode. It's been a lot of fun. And I am finding out a lot of crazy stuff about some of these movies when I'm doing the research on them. And I have only about six episodes out right now, so it won't take you long to catch up. They're not very long either. I like to keep them short and sweet, kind of like this episode tonight. You know, they are also streaming on all the podcasting platforms. That's R-E-E-L problems, real problems. And so I, um, if you follow that, listen to that, that'd be great. Again, we will be having some guests coming up in the next few weeks. We're pretty excited about this. We've got some good stuff coming up. Again, thank you for listening and adios, amigos. Thank you for listening to the Screen Addicts Podcast. 